What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen. It's available every single weekday, coming at you Monday through Friday, free on all platforms. So make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, Talk about Kevin Durant and why you got to root for him to still be a Brooklyn Net after the deadline on Thursday afternoon. Then I want to take you into the world of what it's like to get traded at the trade deadline. Um, I mentioned this in a show, uh, yesterday's show, in fact, that that I am sort of fascinated by how bizarre getting traded in sports is, particularly in the NBA, where you just where it just comes quickly and there's a whole bunch of after 55 games in one place, you are quickly shipped off to another locale. I, I'm fascinated by the human element of the trade deadline. And then to close the show, we're going to look ahead. The Blazers play four games before the uh, before the All-Star break, and they they can win them, and they need to if they're serious. We'll look ahead a little bit to to the that stretch of games. But first, let's talk Kevin Durant. I mentioned this in the to close yesterday's show in that uh, the Blazers sort of best bets if they're like if if you're really dreaming big and if you're a Blazer fan dream big dream big why not dream big um, like if you, but if you're really dreaming big it's that the Kyrie trade kind of leads to Kevin Durant eventually asking out and the Blazers will make the playoffs with. Uh, and get their get their future picks back to trade, and they'll be able to cash it all in and trade something like Shaden Sharp and, and Anthony Simons and a whole bunch of picks and get Kevin Durant and like usher in you know a very admittedly a small window, but a window to to like really truly go for it in the Damian Lillard era. Um, obviously, not everyone's rooting for that. Like some of you um, are probably don't care for Kevin Durant's stylings or really 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 want to see Shaden Sharp be a Blazer for a long time. Sure, but like assuming that. Um, I'm sure it was kind of dismissive. You're allowed to root how you want. I truly believe that. But in, in general, like I am personally in favor of the Blazers striking out swinging. Uh, I think striking out looking is what they've done for a long time. I'd rather them go for it, maybe mortgage their future for a very near-term risk. But that near-term risk needs to be like Hall of Fame level player for me to like really super endorse it. Pascal Siakam, eh, whatever. Kevin Durant, let's go. Like, you know, it's one of the, 15 or so best players to ever play the sport. Uh, even at 34, he's been excellent. Um, I, I'd be in favor of it. So, but that's like so far down the line of, of, of dreaming, right? But I think if you are, if you're willing to join me in, in, in daydreaming about that a little bit, you gotta root for him to not get traded at the deadline because the Blazers cannot really put together the package that they would need to in, in sort of the near term. Like they could, it's, it's not totally unrealistic, but they're going to have to, kill the protections on the pick to uh, to the Bulls and then trade a bunch of future picks down the line and blah, blah. It's like, it's a lot. It's so much simpler for them to do it in the summertime, in, in July, if, if it comes up. So the good news is that ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported that uh, right now the Brooklyn Nets are saying that Kevin Durant is not available. A bunch of teams are calling. Kyrie Irving's gone. Hey, hey, what about KD? What about KD? And right now the Nets are telling teams that KD is not available. But what they're also doing is they are talking with Kevin Durant very closely about the future and the direction of the franchise. He's going to have a lot of say in what comes next. Um, he's, you know, reportedly, I think even publicly, been a pretty big fan of Dorian Finney-Smith. But, like, getting rid of losing Kyrie Irving and adding Dorian Finney-Smith is like, that is, that's like a, that's like a nice little addition. But 
the Nets getting worse is not actually, you know, getting, the Nets getting less talented, I should say. I don't know if they're worse. The Nets getting, having less overall talent is like maybe not the, the clearest path to a championship, or at least the one that seems the most obvious path. So if you're a Trailblazer fan, what you're rooting for is that Woj's report's true, is that Kevin Durant is not traded. Kevin Durant is still a Brooklyn Net in after the All-Star break, or, or excuse me, after the trade deadline on Thursday, February 9th. You are listening to Wednesday, February 8th show. So like uh, 24 hours from now, basically, as you're listening to this, you are rooting for Kevin Durant to still be a Brooklyn Nets and that way for the, for things to go south and then Kevin Durant to be available or make himself available via trade request this summer where the Blazers would, in theory, or at least theoretically, have more ammo to trade and, and be one of the teams that could truly, truly, truly real deal Holyfield land the, you know, the the biggest player they'd ever acquired the biggest, the biggest transaction in, in, in team history. Uh, certainly up there. I, I mean, um, shout out to Moses Malone. Uh, but like, yeah, I, I think that's the path. A couple things. One, Cam Thomas, I watched the Nets game tonight. He's been so stinking good. He's three consecutive games of 40 plus points uh, with no KD and no Kyrie Irving in the lineup. Um, I'm watching Cam Thomas like, Oh, uh oh, <laughs> uh oh! The dream of this blowing up for the for the Nets is might be problematic because Thomas, who was like straight up at, earlier this year, just like didn't look like an NBA player and was like you know shuffling into the G League and totally out of the rotation and all these things, is like, oh, dude is an unbelievable scorching red hot bucket like we haven't seen since Allen freaking Iverson. He keeps being on a list with like it's like it's like scoring list is like only Cam Thomas and, and Bernard King, only Cam Thomas and Allen Iverson. It's like him and the greatest scorers in the history of the sport. Uh, that's that's probably not great news. But you're hoping that it blows up for the Nets. So you're hoping that this you know Cam Thomas doesn't uh, score 40 points for the rest every game for the rest of his career. And you're hoping it goes south for him such that that Kevin Durant eyes greener pastures. That's the path for the Blazers. I mean, this is this is admittedly leading the show with some wishful thinking. Like, this is a pipe dream. I'm not confused about what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I'm not even trying to tell you that this is likely. Uh, that is not what I'm out here to do. I'm not saying, like, the Blazers can get Kevin Durant if. I'm saying the only path to getting Kevin Durant is... And it's him being on the it's him being on the nets and things going south. And I also think another minor thing you want, might want to watch is the Suns making a trade that limits some of their assets here ahead of the deadline. The Suns certainly a major suitor in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Obviously, they were a team that tried to eye Kyrie Irving. All of the reporting around the Suns suggests that they are the reason that they are kind of holding DeAndre Ayton hostage and that they haven't traded Jay Crowder is like they're aiming for a big fish. They want to get a star to add next to Devin Booker. And uh, they've, you know, they were suitors for Kevin Durant early on uh, last summer when it seemed like Durant was certainly headed out of Brooklyn. So you want Kevin Durant to be a net. You want the Nets to struggle and scuffle in the playoffs. And you want the Suns to make a move at the trade deadline. That's like, if you want all of the stars to align for the Blazers, that's that's what you're rooting for. Uh, it is admittedly imperfect, but I think um, it, on a day where I thought there was going to be some big trade news, the news was that maybe someone isn't getting traded, and I think there's some impact there for the Blazers. Uh, let's talk about the trade deadline. I am fascinated by the human element of the trade deadline because these are people getting traded to a new job. I've got some stories from my time around the Blazers uh, closing in on, you know, nine plus years, eight plus years um, on on covering this team. I've got some stories from being around the team at the trade deadline that I think will illuminate the, the various ways humans get dealt at the trade deadline. That's what we'll do in the second segment. But first, I'll tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. 
As a small business owner or hiring manager, hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools that go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, insights about your company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. You can also identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. Plus, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all in one platform. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. There wasn't a lot of action in the NBA today. Uh, I was, if I'm keeping it a buck with you, kind of waiting for that action to happen, and it just never did. So here we are talking about a Kevin Durant hypothetical. Like, um, that's how the show came together. But I have been thinking about this a bunch. There's going to be a bunch of action tomorrow, and I, I think I think if there aren't, like, big moves, I think there will be moves. I, th- I think there's going to be a bunch of, of a bunch of minor stuff, if, if nothing, um, if nothing else. Like, I mean, Kyrie Irving got traded. We've seen a very big move in the league. But what it strikes me as, um, I, I thought about this, uh, I've, I've been thinking about this all week because I'm kind of fascinated by it in general. But um, I, I've, I thought about it specifically in light of um, seeing a introductory pres- press conference with Spencer Dinwiddie, in which he joked like, I think I'm going to be here because it would be a real waste of time if I only stayed for six hours and I did a press, I did an introductory press pr- conference and then they traded me. But that is the strange reality of the NBA trade deadline is that it is so impermanent and a reminder of the way this business works, you get traded. So I want to share with you some sort of like human sides of the NBA trade deadline to give you like the various ways that a trade can impact a team, the players, families, all of those things. Uh, I want to also shout out two two really wonderful stories on the on the subject. Uh, Andrew Greif wrote about the sort of reality of what it's like to get traded, him and him and Dan Wojcicki in the LA Times. I believe it was posted two years ago, but but Greif and Wojcicki wrote a really good story, teamed up to write a really good story about it in the LA Times. And friend of the program, Katie Heindel, has also written a story, and, or excuse me, did a podcast that was on Spinsters. It's an audio essay that's um, that is available, and it's it's on the Spinsters podcast. Uh, R.I.P. to that wonderful program over on Blue Wire Pods, uh, and. Uh, Katie lays out kind of uh, with with interviews with a bunch of players who have been there what it's like to get traded. Um, both of those resources have reminded me of the human element. Um, the people are what make the NBA fun to me, um, and and I think remembering that the the players that you're mashing around on trade machine are people is maybe some important perspective to keep in mind at this time of year. But l- let me share some sort of stories. I think the 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 one that um, the the like happy one is Norman Powell. He was, you know, got traded to the Blazers, was kind of getting where you fit in, heads into free agency, didn't really want to re-sign in Portland, but he kind of leveraged them to get the most money, couldn't find the money anywhere else, but was going to walk if he didn't get um, a fifth year. They gave him a fifth year. He comes back. Again, he's like 
the third guard on the team behind Dame and CJ, so there just aren't a lot of shots. And he's really the fourth guard on the team because the team prioritizes the future of Amphrey Simons. Probably rightfully so, right? Like, like, like that's totally fair by the Blazers. But Norm was pretty miserable by the time of his um, his tenure in Portland ended. And he gets traded to the LA Clippers, and he is happy. First of all, grew up in Southern California, Southern California kid, uh, you know, went to college there, grew up in San Diego, heading back to SoCal, incredibly happy to be back in his home region. Not that like Los Angeles is particularly close to San Diego in the grand scheme, but, um, you know, when you can travel by helicopter and you're really wealthy, it's closer, closer than maybe the rest of us, uh, think it might be, uh, so Norm is like smiling, he's cheesing, he's so happy at the airport, he's getting on, he's on the Clipper social media just fi like finally free Andy Dufresne style happy, man. He is, he is, um, he is excited to be up out of Shawshank and, and, and with the Clippers, uh, where he's, where he's thrived, like six man of the year candidate this year. He's been really good. Um, I'm not, um, I'm just, I'm teasing really with the Shawshank references, but Norm is like a dude who got his wish, got out and got his wish and all, all the things. Like it worked out for Norm. It doesn't work out for everyone. Another trade deadline I remember is the 2019 trade deadline when the Blazers traded Wade Baldwin and Nick Stauskas to the Cavs. And uh, this was, I was, I was still going to, um, going to uh, practices then as, as a sort of member of a, a daily part of the media. And I was, I was at the practice and it had been announced that it was going to happen and all, and, and, and it was, it was, a moment um, when when it hadn't been officially announced by the team, but it had been reported by Woj or, or Shams or whoever it might be. And it was real. Like, it, it, even if it hadn't been called into the league and the team hadn't announced it yet, it was real. And Nick Stauskas had left the practice court and he came back out and he's wearing, like, slides and stuff. He'd clearly changed and taken a shower. And he comes out on the practice court and he dap hugs, like uh, the high five hug, dap hug is what I'm calling that, um, with with all of his teammates, like saying goodbye. And it wasn't just that he was leaving the team. It was Nick Stauskas, who had signed a minimum contract with the Portland Trailblazers, was, you know, had fallen out of the rotation and wasn't playing, and was now getting traded away to, to, head, to head elsewhere. And he was realizing in real time, as we were watching him on the practice court, that maybe his NBA dream was ending. And this wasn't sad to leave a team and, oh, I'm going to have to go play for the Cavs. This was like, I might never get a shot in the league ever again. And Stauskas, quite frankly, he, he slipped out of the league then and then briefly made a return trip to the, um, to the Celtics last year. But like, yeah, like his for fringe NBA guys losing your losing your spot with the team that wanted you if they decide they don't want you it might mean the end of the journey. There are probably, you know, there's there's 450 jobs in the league or whatever but like there's there's there is 2000 guys who can take the last the last few jobs um on an NBA bench across the world so like when you slip when you slip out of one of those back of the rotation type jobs, it might be it for you. And watching Nick Stauskas say goodbye to his teammates it was a reminder of how how sort of um sobering those those minutes can be, how sobering those moments can be where it's like, dang, it didn't work out here and maybe I'm done now. Um it's it, it's tough. Um uh, on the other side Back in back and in, uh, in 2017 at the trade deadline, the Blazers held a practice the day after the uh, trade deadline when they had traded beloved teammate, very well liked teammate, uh, uh, Mason Plumley, and they were pissed, pissed, 
And Neil Olshay had to come out on the practice court and talk to the players and basically tell the guys who were still there. They had traded Mason Plumley to the Denver Nuggets in exchange for a first-round pick that they were excited about and taking a flyer on a former first-round pick, a large Bosnian man named Yusuf Nurkic, who had fallen out of favor in Denver and asked for a trade early into his rookie contract and was like not well-regarded in, in NBA circles. Turned out to be a pretty good player for the Blazers. Signed a couple contracts. Worked out pretty well for Nurk. Got them to, you know... Um, had a great deal of success, but like in the moments, it was like, you traded one of our dudes, one of our favorite guys, you you shipped out. And Neil Olshay had to come out in the practice court and basically tell the players, like, I didn't want it to be this way. I thought we were going to win with the group we had, but we lost so dang many games that I had to do something. And that something was kind of punt on the season and trade for a, a first round draft pick. Turns out um, he got, you know, Nurk fever arrived and, and then the Blazers, you know, got back to the postseason and all those things. And, and Nurk was really good. And, and, um, and they, they, they squandered the draft pick and, um, and, and, uh, it just, it, it turned out very differently than they thought. But in the moment that day, it was like players stunned that one of their really good coworkers had left and, uh, and the executive who made the decision having to come out and face them and say, listen, this is the business, is that when it doesn't work out the way we, we want it to work out, you have to make tough decisions, and, ma and trading Mace was a tough decision in that moment. Another um, side of the trade deadline world is a story that Evan Turner told me back in the day when he was a member of the Process Sixers, basically the, the, the Sixers converting to being the Process Sixers, truly, truly committing to being a bad team for several years, having to trade away former top draft picks like Evan Turner. And Turner gets traded to the Indiana Pacers, but he didn't just get traded to the Indiana Pacers. He arrives on deadline day. Gets her a little early, talks to his people, uh, you know the the uh, the wait staff and 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 one of the one of the video guys, and he's like, "Yo, am I gonna get traded?" And they tell him, "You know, we haven't heard, so maybe not." Then he goes through a Brett Brown practice, who's the coach of the Sixers at the time. And to hear Evan Turner tell it, it is grueling. It's like two and a half hours and they and they go full, you know, full contact, full speed for the last hour of it. It's like a freaking, it's like playing a game on your day off. Um, like, you know, NBA teams, they practice even certainly a lot less now than they did back then. But like they, um, you know, he's, he's, it is rare even at that time for a team to go that hard the way that those, those particular Sixers did. Practice ends, kind of waits around in the, um, waits around in, in, at the facility and says like, I don't want to drive home yet. Like I live close, but like, if I get traded, I kind of want to, I, I want to like say goodbye to my people. Doesn't get traded. You're clicking toward your, your tick, clock's ticking towards the deadline. He's talking to, again, uh, video coordinators and the strength coaches like, all right, that's it. I'm, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna call it. Like, I think I'm good. I think I'm safe. I'll see you tomorrow on the way home while driving home, gets the call from his agent. You've been traded to the Pacers cool. The Pacers are about to make a run to the, to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're going to, they're going to play a game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. It's, the, it's going to be the most success that Turner had enjoyed to that point in his career. Here's the problem. By that time, deep into the playoffs, Evan Turner had fallen completely out of the rotation. He just wasn't playing. So now he is, instead of, as he tells it, like he had been planning a big old vacation. Instead, he's got to cancel his vacation um, that was that was planned for when he was certainly going to be out of the playoffs in May. Got to cancel his vacation. And instead of playing basketball and contributing, he's just watching and wallowing on the end of the bench as a dude now entering free agency with with instead of like showcasing his skills on a bad uh, a, a bad 
Sixers team being like, yeah, this dude can play. He is just straight up not playing and falling out of the rotation on one of the best teams in the league in Indiana, chilling at the end of the bench. It was miserable for him. He, he got traded to a better situation and was supposed to be a missing piece as another ball handler that they needed, another big body, another ball handler that they needed. And it just didn't work out for him. You get traded, you're the upgrade, you go to a better situation, and it still stinks because getting traded in the NBA is bizarre. And the last one I'll share with you, CJ McCollum at last year's All-Star break. He knows he's getting traded. In fact, he's known for weeks that he's getting traded because the it's out there that the Blazers are heading in this direction and that they're going to f- try to find CJ a new home. And he has some say in who his new home might be. He's, he doesn't have the pick of 25 teams, but the Blazers are finding him a landing spot that he's comfortable with. And eventually, about uh, you know, maybe a day and a half before the, tr- before the trade is fully there, he's been linked to the, to the New Orleans for a while because they're discussing it. But it becomes clear that that's where he's going. But they've just him and his wife have just had their first child. They've got a newborn at home and CJ McCollum, even if he's choosing his destination, his family isn't moving with him. So he's going to a new team where he's going to have to integrate onto a new team, make a push for the playoffs, play through the playing game, play a bunch of high leverage games while his wife and very newborn child still haven't moved and relocated full-time to New Orleans. They stayed in Portland. Uh, you know, they, didn't, they weren't there the whole time. They certainly, uh, again, like these are very wealthy people. They're able to travel in ways that maybe us lay folks aren't. But like the bizarreness of going to do your demanding job and even on your off days, your family and your very young child aren't even at home. It is a strange world. Getting traded and whatever trades happen over the next little bit, it's like, just a reminder, These are humans getting traded, and it is very strange in so many different ways, depending on your happiness of Norman Powell, the miserableness of Nick Stauskas, the sort of bewilderedness that the Blazers felt after uh, Mason Plumlee left, the, the sort of good situation, bad fit purgatory that Evan Turner found himself in, or the I'm leaving, but my world and my like actual off court life isn't coming with me type of scenario that uh, that CJ McCollum changes uh, CJ McCollum experienced when he changed teams so um, you know a bunch of trades are gonna happen just a reminder that uh, those that these these are humans in them and I'll I'll, I'll plug these one more time uh, shout out to Katie Heindel who did a wonderful audio essay podcast about this and also Dan Wakey and Andrew Greif who wrote a great story about it in the LA Times I will link both of those in the episode description for this episode uh, they're worth they are worth checking out out. All right, let's close the show. Blazers play four important basketball games. Let's talk about those. But before we do that, I want to tell you about FanDuel. I'm super excited about FanDuel. It's the only app you're going to need at your Super Bowl party, America's number one sports book. It's also the new betting partner for Locked On. They're the number one sports book in America, like I said. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57. That's this weekend, y'all, with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything. From money line to point spreads to who will score the first touchdown. The sports or the FanDuel Sportsbook app is also safe and secure and super easy to use. You can, and best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked On Blazers. Portland plays some basketball games. Um, Amazingly enough, 
after all of this, after I've kind of, I don't know if I've given up on them. That would be a mis misrepresentation of my feelings. After my like January is prove it month, they've got a home heavy schedule and they're going to prove it. And the soft schedule is going to come back to them and they're going to make their way up the standings and all these things. It's like, they didn't do that. <laughs> We're a week into February, y'all. They didn't do that. That's not what happened. They didn't take advantage of January. They were mostly disappointing. And yet, it still hasn't run away from them. The West is still bunched up. And if they win some games, like uh, if they at any point through the rest of the season win something like 9 of 11, 10 of 13, they're going to be right in the mix. Like they're going to straight up. If they win, they, if they go 10 and three or any 13 game stretch to end of the season, not many of those left to be clear. But like, if they do that, they're, they're going to like avoid the plan entirely. They're going to finish fifth in the West. Despite all of their warts, despite how bad they've been on defense, despite how bad their bench has been, despite all of it, all of it, all of it, they're still right there. And part of being right there is that they still got a couple home games they could take advantage of. On Wednesday, they play the first of four more games at home before the All-Star break. And this was before the trade deadline. It's also the evening before the trade deadline. So if the Blazers do make a trade, they might be missing some folks. And they play the Golden State Warriors, who if they make a trade, could conceivably be missing some folks. Although the reporting from around the Warriors, uh, from Anthony Slater of The Athletic, suggests that the Warriors are going to be trading folks, if they make a trade, out of the rotation, like uh, Moses Moody or James Wiseman. Uh, Moody has been playing a little bit, but like guys who are in the back half of, uh, back half of the rotation, uh, to, to be certain. Uh, the Warriors are without Steph Curry, who's who's going to be who's going to miss the All Star game. Um, maybe Damian Lillard will start. We'll see. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do because Kyrie Irving's now in the West and he got voted in the East. And maybe Kyrie Irving just slots into that st- spot. I don't know, but it's all of it is all of it is tricky to me. Um, I don't know. Dame's been Dame's been really stinking good. He certainly, if he is named the All Star starter, it's because he deserves it. But. No Steph Curry. Uh, the Warriors just won a game because Klay Thompson went absolutely bonkers, scored 42 without taking a free throw, um, basically without without taking anything that wasn't a jump shot. Um, they are a little flawed and have really struggled on the road, but they're playing. The Warriors have certainly playing playing better recently. Um, I think this is a winnable game because of they're missing their MVP candidate. Um, he's not really an MVP candidate, but their best player. Um, but it's not like a walk. It's not a walk. The Warriors aren't like awful. Um, it's, this is, that's a challenging game, but certainly a winnable game that follows with a game against OKC, a team that's, um, given the Blazers some problems this year. Remember back-to-back losses in OKC back in January. Um, excuse me, that was in December. Uh, it's, it's been, um, you know, it's, it's home heavy January. They haven't played that many, home, many road games, but, uh, the OKC, like the OKC is good. Um, they're not, they're not like good, good. They're not one of the very good teams, but they're just like tough. They hustle like heck and they have a superstar. So you don't get like, you just don't get cheapies against them. And then they have one of the best players in the league to kind of anchor what they want to do on offense. Uh, SGA is really good. And and they play small and funky and they play hard and they're just tough to beat. But that's still a winnable game. That is a winnable game against OKC. That game, followed by a game against the Lakers. Not a good basketball team. They've got two very good players with Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James, certainly capable of playing good basketball. But I think there's enough evidence out there to suggest that the Lakers aren't very good. Um, like I said, like a win, winnable game, winnable game to be certain. But um, 
all of all of these winnable winnable basketball games. And then the Blazers' final game before um, for the break is against the Wizards, who are who the Blazers just came back from down eighteen at halftime, down twenty in the first half, and uh, and and can come back and and, and um, you know are are just better. They're better than the Wizards. Um, the Wizards, if they're whole, are certainly good enough to beat with with Kuzma and Brad Beal and 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 uh, Chris Porzingis are certainly good enough to beat the Blazers. But again, a winnable game. So what you're looking at. There's four games. Certainly the Blazers are capable of losing any game. I don't mean to suggest that that's like you got, must win or should win or any of these things, but like four games right in front of you that you can win. Against the Bucks, the Bucks just way bigger and way better than the Blazers, right? Um, it happens. They that would have been a heck of a win, and they they weren't particularly competitive. Bulls, the end of that Bulls uh, that Bulls game on the road, it's like they just they couldn't get stops when it mattered at the at the end of the game. These games, winnable. Home games that are winnable. This is, this is your like, you've had a million chances, and the no teams in the West have run away from you, and now this is your chance to come back and make it happen. I think um, either the Wednesday game or the Friday game, which is Golden State and OKC, they could be impacted by trades, uh, one way or another. Like depending on the timing of the trades, but the Blazers do make a move. They could be shorthanded for either of those games. So that would complicate things. And certainly we'll talk about that when we get there, because we're going to talk a lot of trade stuff here in the next couple of days. But like um, all, all things considered, after all the mess and after the struggles that they've had and how mediocre and consistently kind of mediocre they've been, they just haven't been, a, they, they've, you know, they, they ripped off whatever, four out of five. And you felt like maybe, and they lose to the Bulls. And then it's like, well, maybe not. <laughs> Uh, and, and I think the, the Bucks game was just like sobering. It's like, oh yeah, that's what a really good team looks like. But like, after all that, after all of the like, no false start type of parts of the season, you win these four winnable home games, you win three out of four, even you're just, you're still right there. You're still right there in the mix. You struggle through this. I don't think we'll do this type of segment again. We won't do the, well, if they win type of thing, we'll just kind of we're just going to kind of, we'll roll with the punches, right? We'll talk, we won't talk, um, we won't do this hypothetical. This will be the last time we do it unless they win these games. And then we'll just kick the can down the road and still believe. That's right. So I started the podcast talking about what if Kevin Durant joins the Blazers this summer and ending the podcast with what if they win four in a row and put themselves in good position at the playoffs. Optimism season heading into the trade deadline. Tell your friends about this show. Uh, Warriors tomorrow night, trade deadline that follows. Should be a really fun week in the league. Um, come hang out. <laughs> That's my advice to you. Tell your friends about the podcast. Listen to the show. Available on all platforms and on YouTube. Wherever you're looking for us, just search Locked on Blazers. Tell your friends about the program and then come back for more. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. Uh-huh.